Welcome to Numbers, News, and Nonsense, a sports podcast. Welcome to the second official NBA episode of Numbers, News, and Nonsense. We're your host, Brian. And Ryan. And for those of you returning, welcome back. Brooklyn Nets, baby. Oh, man. Nothing better to talk about right now. I mean... You have so many problems on that team, which is crazy because you have so much talent on the team. KD's hurt. James Harden doesn't even like living in Brooklyn. Kyrie plays once every other game. Big problems. Those are big problems because they're your three All-Stars. You get all three of them, you expect to you expect to win the finals every year for the next five years, but... It's looking like they can't even get to the finals if problems like this keep happening. What do you think? What do you think? Yeah, let's let's start with the KD injury first. Uh, he sprained his MCL in his left knee, and they said he'll be out, I think they said six to eight weeks, which is a lot. I, that could probably take him out of the regular season, I think. Um, but... Oh, it says four to six weeks. So, kind of season, but uh, right now, obviously, they just want to get him healthy because he came back from an injury last year, so they don't want to get him hurt again. Uh, and then James Harden, like you said, apparently doesn't like Brooklyn, doesn't like being there. Uh, he'd rather go to strip clubs in Miami and Atlanta, and there aren't really many strip clubs in uh, Brooklyn, so he's kind of mad about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and he did say that he just wants to win. Now, there's a problem because they're not winning every single game. Yeah, I, I mean, our Cavs just beat them. Good. They, they're getting what they deserve. They got way over their heads after they get all these players, all these all-stars. But James Harden does not like Kyrie playing every other game. Now, there's one way to solve this because we know Kyrie's not getting vaccinated. He's made up his mind. He's made it clear. So there's one solution to this problem, and that is trade him. Honestly, yeah. I If he doesn't want to be there, and he's the one calling out Kyrie, Kevin Durant is supporting, uh, and Harden is the one who actually came out and said, like, he's hurting us. So who knows? If he doesn't want to be there, trade him. But try and get somebody good, like, I heard they wanted to trade for Simmons, but the Sixers won't do it. Yeah, which makes no sense because if you're the Nets or if you're the Sixers, you can't lose in this trade. The the Sixers are getting the most skilled basketball player of all time that can put up 25 a game for you. And their main problem was their scoring. The Nets are getting an elite defender, Ben Simmons, that can lock up pretty much anyone. And their main problem, their defense, their perimeter defense, to be more exact. So you can't lose in this. I'm surprised this hasn't gone – this hasn't even happened yet. But, I mean, I mean, I like I've said before, I feel like the Nets are giving Kyrie minutes, trying to build up his trade value, and then going to trade him. Because, obviously, they aren't dumb enough to see, like, oh – this this is working for us when it's not. Yeah, uh, 
you talk, you kind of segued back to Kyrie. Um, something about like how he would play every other game, and that's completely right. Uh, he missed two games, then played four straight, and then he missed the next two. So like, it's gonna hurt because. He played 38 minutes, 38 minutes, 35, 35, dropped 30, 24, 30, and 27. And I don't know their those games, but when you have Kyrie back, you're mostly guaranteed a win because if you have all three of them on the court, you should win the game unless something bad happens. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how to fix that. He's not getting the shot. Yeah, I mean – it's it's just crazy to think because Kyrie's first game for the Nets, he put up 50-something. Yeah. And that's what you want. That's what you want. And you had it, and now it's just gone. So you have to you – have, you have a huge problem. I mean, who's going to be traded first at this point, Kyrie or Harden? That's the biggest question for your for the Nets. I'm going to say Harden. Yeah. I mean, here's the problem. Here's another problem. I keep naming problem after problem, but it's it's making me happy because I don't like the Nets. <laughs> but it would be fine if KD was injured. He'd be coming back healthy for playoffs if they had Kyrie and Harden every single game to get them to that number one seed. They yeah. don't have Kyrie and Harden every single game, and they're not winning as as many games as they need to. They have to avoid the Bucks, they have to avoid the Heat. I mean, you can't you can't continue this season like this. You have to figure things out and the trade deadline is coming up faster than you think. Yeah, and you mentioned the standings. Uh currently they're fourth, but like you said, Bucks Sixers two games behind, Hornets three games. The East is pretty tight right now. And but that's also could be the same thing. The Nets are fourth, and they're only a game and a half back from first place. So if they put things together, if Kyrie somehow manages to play more games, I don't know if it's going to happen. And it really just depends on how their schedule goes because maybe they already played all of their home games, most of their home games. They've played, let's see, they've played 25 home games which means they have uh, 17 more home games. And if Kyrie misses all 17, there's not that good of a chance that they're going to win a lot of those ball games. Yeah, and, and to, finish, to finish this off, the one team the Nets need to avoid in the playoffs is the Cavs. And let me tell you why. Last year, Colin Sexton single-handedly took them down back-to-back games. Yeah, back-to-back games. That was when you had a healthy KD, a healthy James Harden, a healthy Kyrie all together. You couldn't you couldn't get better than that for the Nets. And Colin Sexton came in and drained shot after shot. And Colin Sexton, there's a chance he's going to be back for playoffs. The Nets need to avoid the Cavs, and if they don't, things will get bad. Very yeah. Bad. And, and you mentioned that game. I was actually at that game, and that was the first time. Uh, Kyrie, Harden, and KD all played. Um, but like you said, Sexton, I think, scored 25 straight points or 27 straight points, and we ended up winning the game. Um, and, you know, 
Sexton is eyeing a return for the postseason. Uh, we're not going to talk about it, but who knows? Maybe that we're not going to talk about it yet. We're going to wait for further news. Yeah. And speaking of news, uh, the All Star starters came out. Uh, what about two hours ago? And yeah. there is a name on there. Whew, that is shocking. Giannis Antetokounmpo. No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> it is Andrew Wiggins. Oh boy, what what is he averaging? Let me tell you what he's averaging: eighteen points a game on forty eight percent field goal percentage, four point two rebounds and two assists. Those, those, those stats for other players. Hasn't even got them into the All Star game to be a yeah. backup or anything. This is this is just beyond ridiculous because you look at other players that he just took that starting spot away from. And now this goes to show how much of a joke the NBA All Star game really is. I mean, you look you look last year or two years ago was it when there was a chance Taco Fall and Alex Caruso could have made the All Star game? <laughs> yeah, I mean. It, it shouldn't be based entirely on fan vote. I understand all-star game, whoever's the biggest all-star, whoever gets the biggest votes, understandable. But you get stats like that, solid stats. They're good stats for you to be a role player. But there's other players that put up better stats that won't even be on the all-star game. Yeah, and the other players that you're talking about, uh, we can- Paul, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. Uh, the Jazz and the Suns are at the top of the West. Yeah. Uh, Suns are first and the Jazz are fourth, and they don't have a starter. But the Warriors have Steph and Wiggins, and then the Grizzlies have Ja. So it's just weird how the one seed and the four seed don't have a starter. Yeah, and, I mean, you look at it, you look at the players you just named, Chris Paul, I believe, is averaging a double-double, and he's he's still carrying the Suns to the top, which yeah. I find hard to believe. Maybe I can understand why not Devin Booker's not starting. He'll still be in the All-Star game, but he's not going to start. Rudy Gobert, th- there were times where he was averaging like 20 and 20, and on top of that, his, his defense down low, block after block after game after game. I mean, I, even Donovan Mitchell just comes in, pop shots like crazy. There are players – that are not being recognized, which there always is, which I get. That's what happens. But when you take a player like Andrew Wiggins and say, hey, you're better than actual All-Stars, then you know this whole All-Star weekend that it'll be will be one of the biggest jokes this whole season. Yeah, and I mean, really the only thing – that makes me happy about the all-star game is the fact that LeBron is the captain of the one team and Durant's the other captain. Durant's not going to play, but at least they get to pick their and hopefully it's exciting. Like it has been, uh, hopefully we get some even teams instead of like powerhouse versus crap. Uh, but for whoever has to pick Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. And he's not getting picked right away expecting to get picked last but you look last year KD was the captain too 
and he didn't play last year. He's not playing this year. So I wish they would. I wish they would change that. Well, maybe not change the captain idea, but I mean, it's, I just don't like it. I don't like the idea of it, but like you said, LeBron deserves to be the captain. He deserves to be an all-star. He deserves to be a starter. So I'm happy with that. Yeah, fun fact. I'm actually wearing a uh, LeBron All-Star shirt from 2015. Wow, that was, was a fun fact. It was not planned. I pulled it, wasn't, it out. Of- it wasn't. You know, it, another fun fact. People, as you, if you may call this a fact, people <laughs> probably won't believe you because they're listening to us and not seeing us. True, true. Uh, I could be lying. Who knows? It could be. Let's move into our weekly NBA awards, starting with Offensive Player of the Week. And my offense is going off right now. Joel Embiid has dropped 42, 40, and 38 in three games while averaging 13 boards and getting six total blocks. Uh, I think you had him in your MVP race already, uh, or maybe I did, but that is a great string of games, and if he can just keep adding on to it, because I know he has a couple other 30-point games too. He may – I don't want to see him win it, but it's possible. I don't think he deserves it. You look at the record. He's not He's not doing too good. They. I understand they don't have Simmons. They don't have the best shooting, but they still have a pretty talented team. So – and it's Joel Embiid. Expect him to be injured sometime, sometime this season because he never – he really never stays healthy a full season, yeah. so that'll hurt him. But the real offensive player of the week, someone way better than Joel Embiid, someone way more talented, way more skilled than Joel Embiid, is Nikola Jokic. Oh, man, he is amazing. Like, you watch him. It's just amazing. Pass after pass, shot after shot. He hit a half court, I believe, the other day, or logo shot. I mean, come on now. That's just talent. He's a center. Last five games, these are his points, 28, 34, 26, 49, 25. Last five games, his assists, 8, 9, 8, 12, 10. Last five games, his rebounds, 10, 21, 9, 11, 14. He truly does it all. Four and one in his last five games. And the, the crazy thing about this is they don't have two of their top three players and they don't even know when they're going to get him. Yeah. Or Jr. and Jamal Murray. Who knows? Yeah, and like you said, uh, he's he's a center doing all of this, doing the assisting, rebounding, scoring, uh, at a rate basically nobody's seen for a center ever, and it's comparable to LeBron, basically. Uh, he's almost getting a triple-double every game. He's going to average a triple-double, possibly. And he's a center, and he's not that athletic. He's just smart. And like you said, 4-1 and one in their last games, uh, what was it, two weeks ago, we were talking about how they were in the play-in spot, and now they're the sixth seed. So it's crazy what just a couple weeks can do to your season. And specifically him, he could win the MVP based on just these five games if he keeps up his stats. Yeah, and you look at, like, you're your, one of your franchise players. For any team nowadays, you don't see center. You don't see power forward. You see, like, point guard, shooting guard, maybe small forward. Because you need to be able to do everything around the perimeter, too. 
And Jokic does everything around the perimeter and does everything in the paint. You don't yeah. see that anymore. You've never seen that. He is think- one of the most talented in the game. The only thing that could make him better is if he, I want to say just if he upped his defense maybe and maybe got a little quicker, but that would be like an unstoppable player. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, you you work on your sprints or something just to get put more pressure on players, and I can see that. But besides that, I mean, there's not much you can do to be better than this. Let's move to the defensive side of defensive player of the week. And this is our second NBA episode. And this guy gets his second defensive player of the uh, week. Uh, familiar face, Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, we talked about him last time. Had a ton of blocks in that week. Uh, this week, he had a six-block game against the Spurs and a four-block game against the Nuggets. I don't know how he keeps doing it, but he just swats everything. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy because he doesn't get the recognition, too, because John Morant. John Morant's amazing, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, he, he's talented down low, but he just doesn't get the recognition. Now, once again, the real defense player of the week. <laughs> once again, soon to be defense player of the year, back to back to back, I believe. Rudy Gobert, 13 blocks in his last six games, six steals last six games. Obviously, he's amazing on the rebounds. Like I said, at one point he was at pretty much averaging 20 and 20, and now he's he's double digits almost every game this season in rebounds. But the problem is the team is still kind of slacking. They're not beating the bad teams all the time, and that's what worries me because you have so much talent. Someone taking a step down, though, is Joe Ingles. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's traded before the trade deadline. Yeah, like you said, uh, what is this? His, uh, I think this is possibly, let me see, uh, Defensive Player of the Year, NBA. Uh, this, he won two already, and then I'm pretty sure – uh, Giannis won one in between him, I think. Yeah, yeah. It went uh, Gobert, Gobert, Giannis, and Gobert. So this could possibly be his fourth defensive player of the year, uh, which is just nuts. He's just consistently a good defender. Uh, not really on the perimeter as much. We're starting to see the steals, like you said. Uh, but he just blocks everything other than when Westbrook dunked on him. But, yeah, he blocks everything. Yeah, but, I mean, if you're Gobert, you don't even need the perimeter defense because nobody doesn't nobody wants to go down the on the paint on you unless you're yeah. Westbrook. And Westbrook got – I mean, that that's just Westbrook, though. I mean, every once in a while, he's just going to go and put down a monster dunk. Yeah. So, it happened to be on Gobert. And if Gobert wins defense player this year, that puts him at four – and it would tie him for most all time with Ben Wallace had four and Dikemi Mutombo had four. Both all-time great defenders. Uh, currently, Dwight Howard has three. Gobert has three. Uh, yeah. So he could separate himself from Dwight and join the big boys up top. Yeah, and Gobert's 29. So expect a couple more Defense Player of the Years from him. 
Moving to rookie of the week, the young guns of the league, I have Chris Duarte for the Pacers. Uh, he has been asked to step up this year because um, he's averaged 17.3 in four games while shooting 44% from three-point, and he's getting five rebounds a game as a guard. Uh, more like That's just pretty I just like the five rebounds as a guard because he's shooting and he's getting rebounds, which means he's obviously working hard and hustling. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he's stepping up with injuries. I mean, Sabonis isn't playing every game. Brogdon's not, obviously. Levert's not. On a team that is most likely going to start a rebuild soon, maybe now, you already have a young player that is is doing what is doing pretty much better, arguably, than Andrew Wiggins. And Wiggins is a starter. So you may consider yourself a team with a player that's an all-star starter, as as the dumb people may say. Yeah. But rookie of the week for me, Evan Mobley. I mean, if if you aren't watching Cavs games, then you must have – I mean, you must be watching Pistons games because you're that brain dead. But – Evan Mobley, two double-doubles in the last about week, eight blocks in last six games, five and one in last six games. He's not afraid to shoot, and that's what I like. I mean, I, I forget who told me, but someone said he reminds him of a Kevin Durant. I think that might have been me, yeah. It might have been you. Yeah. Now, obviously, not I as good. See him, I want to see him shoot more, yeah. Right. But it, 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 I can see it. They both – they both got like that same kind of shot going. Obviously, Kevin Durant's way better at it, but Evan Mobley, he's not afraid to shoot, and that's what I like because he he'll go on the perimeter. He doesn't stand there waiting for a pass like Gobert does. No hate on Gobert because he's not a shooter, but he doesn't. And Mobley's young; he's a rookie, so if he's already working on a shot now, I mean, he's already better than Ben Simmons. So obviously, things can't get worse for him. Yeah, and. I'm actually – I was looking uh, earlier this week. I'm trying to buy a Mobley jersey because I need a new Cavs jersey, and Mobley is the real deal. Uh, I'm also trying to get a Darius Garland jersey because he is our point guard. DG is my PG. And the Cavs are just on fire recently. Yeah, and I mean, while you're at it, I mean, you can get me some jerseys too if you want. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to make a bet. Maybe. That involves you buying me a jersey. Yeah, we'll see. Last bet went. <laughs> <laughs> Let's continue. Disappointing player of the week, also known as AKA Westbrook of the week. Can we say that right now? Because he said a solid two games, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can we can take it off for this week. And then No, no, no. Keep back. it on. Keep it on. Keep we it don't want to jinx it. We don't want to jinx right. it. You're right. Because Westbrook has been playing pretty good. Like I said, two games. Yeah. <laughs> but for him, that's a lot. Westbrook of the week, Julius Randle. His shooting's awful. It's awful. Like, it's – it. I, I mean, the Knicks are in trouble. I'll tell you that. But first, Julius Randle, last four games with his points, 11-18, 24-4. His shooting for those last four games, 5-12, 5-13, 5-14, 5-15, 5-16, 5-17, 5-18, 5-19, 5-21, 5-22, 5-23, 5-24, 5-25, 5-26, 5-27, 5-28, 
six and 17, eight and 15, one and nine. One of those games was okay. It was that eight and 15 game, and that's still not something to be proud about. Knicks fans had a lot of hope after a huge jump last season, but no one is stepping up. Now, I believe I said this before. Randall's not the type to step up, and they are filled with inconsistency. Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, RJ Barrett, they have talent, but they can never have talent at the same time. And they are one in six in their last six games. Things are bad for them. You 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 went down to the Hawks last year to end your season. You were upset about that. But it, it it's bad. It's worse than you think. I don't consider them contenders, obviously. I don't even consider them making the playoffs. Because chances are they will be in the play-in. And chances are they won't win the play-in. Yeah, and like you said, he is the type of player uh, we've seen to basically fold when he has crappy games like this. Uh, We kind of saw it in the playoffs a little bit last year. Uh, But another thing to note is he hasn't talked to the media after the game, I think, for almost two weeks now. And the Knicks are paying the fines that they get because the players have to go to the post-game interview and Randall is skipping it and the Knicks are paying for him to skip it. So I don't know what's up with him, but he needs to get Yeah, I mean, that's a situation like your Knicks fans obviously are delusional. They're right up next to the Pistons. So they aren't smart enough to kind of like question these kinds of things. They're just excited that they have a decent team because it's been a while since they've had a decent team. They don't have a good team. They don't even have a great team. They don't even have an above decent team. They just have a decent team that's possibly declining. Emmanuel quickly was supposed to come in as a solid starter. That's not happening. Obi Topin was not a solid pick. He'll get a dunk every once in a while, a wide open one that gets the crowd wild up. That's that's not something you want when you're a first-round pick. So, Knicks are in trouble. I don't care. I'm not a Knicks fan. It's funny when you see Knicks fans mad because, like I said, they're delusional, but they're not even making the playoffs. That's that's my hot take of this podcast. I don't even think that's too much of a hot take because, like, if Randall keeps playing like this, they're not making the playoffs for sure. So cold take, I guess. (laughs) Cold take. My disappointing player of the week, it's a little weird, but Al Horford is playing 28 minutes a game. He's averaging 5.3 points per game, and he's shooting 28% from the field in the last week. Uh, I I don't know what to say about that. Why is he playing 28 minutes a game? Uh, I don't know. I know what to say about that. It's your typical Celtics player, just like the Knicks, inconsistent. They're never they're never going anywhere with the team they have, with the staff they have. They don't have anything. They obviously didn't give up much for Horford because they were just hoping to have him back and have him do something in the paint. He's not good. He's old. When you're playing that many minutes, averaging 5.3 points a game, pathetic. I mean... Get out of the NBA. You're getting paid a lot of money. Reminds me of an old Kevin Love. Like last year, Kevin Love, 
where he was getting paid bank to just do nothing. Kevin Love stepped it up this year. Al Horford most likely won't step it up. Yeah, I I really don't know what to say because I really don't care that much about the Celtics, and I really don't care that much about Al Horford. So, <laughs> he's well, sucks to suck. Yeah, it really just sucks to suck. He went from the Thunder to the Celtics, and he's really not doing too great. So that makes me happy. Wraps up our awards for the NBA of the week of January 20th through January 27th. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing our very first special guest on our podcast, Richie Chicago. Richie, say hi, everybody. Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, Good. What's up, Rich? Not too much, man. Just watching some basketball, um, catch up with everything. How are you guys? Pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, we're chilling, we're chilling. Nothing better than watching basketball. Maybe football. <laughs> <laughs> Later on this week, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let's get right into it. Richie Chicago. Now, there's a reason you told me to call you Richie Chicago, I'm guessing. You're a Bears and a Bulls fan. I feel bad for you because you're a Bears fan. <laughs> I will say that. Bulls, not so much. I mean, you have some talent on the Bulls. What do you want to talk first with us? Bulls or Bears? Um, I feel like we should t- we could talk about the Bears because they have recent uh I guess they have recent big news. Um we hired a yeah. brand new um general manager and a brand new head coach as of today. So um I don't know if you guys heard the Bears we recently hired Ryan Poles yesterday as a GM, and then today he hired um Matt Eberflus, which is wild. I'm like, cool. Did you guys hear about that? Yeah. yeah, I mean it's 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 great, especially since the past has been complete crap. I mean, th- this could be something something good, some a bright future could bring, especially with Justin Fields. What do you what do you see in Justin Fields? Compare him to compare him to a, a QB that's played before, or still playing, or something. Who do you who do you see in his eyes? Honestly, Justin Fields is something I've never seen. Prior, because he's very unpredictable what he could do with the ball. I guess maybe Lamar Jackson almost he could run with the ball, and he also can throw the ball. But Lamar can't actually throw. But he's just very like he has a lot of tools in his belt that he can use. But I feel like he would need a great offensive line to do it. And I'm actually glad that we have like a GM that used to be offensive lineman that can actually invest in that area that the Bears need to possibly make a run for it. So it's exciting. Yeah, I I already love Richie because uh, he said Lamar couldn't throw. That's something we talk about all the time. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, he said Lamar. Man, man. Yeah, he said Lamar. I think like the running think, wise, at least the unpredictability yeah, unpredict- yeah, wise. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I see a smaller Cam Newton, but a more a better passer. Cam Newton is what I see when I see Justin Fields. Yeah, I just feel bad because he has no offensive line and like. Who just got crushed? Like it's kind of like the Bengals game that we saw with Joe Burrow, and he just kept throwing, but he would get like crushed. It'll be, I mean, it's fine, but like you need protection, and it's hard when like the defense is like pretty good, and like you have to figure out a way to get out. And that's why I, I guess comparing quarterbacks, like I guess 
Mahomes and Josh Allen can do it. They're the best of the best, I feel like, at the moment. Yeah, I mean, when I look into Justin Fields' eyes, I feel like I see Justin Fields, and let me tell you why. It's Justin Fields. I think he's going to bring something new to the game. He's obviously way better passer than Cam and Lamar, and he's he's just coming out of his rookie season. Now, when he played the Browns this season, he got sacked many, 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 many times. I think nine times, yeah. I believe it was, and that's, yeah, that's the O-line. That's the O-line, and there's, exactly. there's the problems there. So you give him a better O-line, then see what he can do because he, he really can make your future bright. And I do see him getting into the postseason faster than I see, like, Zach Wilson, uh, Trevor Lawrence. He has something. He has something. And his connection with Darnell Mooney, you have to keep – you have to keep building that because that could be a bright future for that duo. I definitely like the relationship that they have, um, Mooney and Fields. And we have a really great running back, too. Um, Montgomery is great. So, like, there's a lot of things we can do, um, especially when – I know you have to improvise with no O-line. He had to basically run the ball when there was no O-line because there was no time. So, if we could have – unpredictability that would be great and i mean we do have weapons we didn't really use um alan robinson that much this year but i feel like he would we would have been great if he actually used them um <laughs> yeah it's wild i don't know yeah and uh one thing i wanted to ask you about uh coach matt was hired today and he was the former colts defense player, and the colts defense is amazing uh, you guys had a pretty good defense, too. Uh, do you think this is a great hire for you guys, considering your defense is the better for the team? Or do you think they're going to make another move to bring in some offensive coordinator or some kind of coach to help with the offense? Yeah, definitely. I think he definitely needs help with the offensive side. We definitely need an offensive coordinator. But I do like the fact that he's very experienced. He's worked with the Patriots, the Packers, and KC, and like having experience with these three separate regimes, um, they're like all big time winners, and it's very noteworthy. It's it's interesting, and um, I think the best part about this whole, um, well, the polls was, but like the the head coach, he was actually um, what's it called? He was hired by polls without the whole, like, consulting with the board, like, yeah. like Cassie, which is perfect. And he's taking matters in his own, own hand, so it's great. Yeah, and uh, I want to throw this out here. His first coaching job was actually linebackers in Cleveland, Ohio, with the Browns in 2009. Yeah. So that's pretty sweet. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you, the Bears have a solid defense. You have talent. You just don't have anybody – you, or at least you didn't have anybody to come in and control it and run it the right way. So changes are being made. I, I mean, expect a big boost with that defense this upcoming year. You should be excited. I mean, you should be oh, I'm super excited. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it had to be the right guy, too. It couldn't just be any guy, any GM. Like, it had to be the right GM for the job. Because um, well, I used to talk on other podcasts, and basically the problem was from the top down. Because George McCaskey, he like had his press conference like a couple of weeks ago, and basically he was telling everyone like I'm just a fan, I don't know what to do. So he tells his buddy Bill Polian to like help him find the next GM and or head coach. 
So, like, in my eyes, it seemed like a fail. Like, we're just going to fail the season. But I think we found a good GM, and this is going to be good because they're doing the exact opposite as of last year or many years before. So, Yeah, not to mention finally getting rid of Matt Nagy, which we talk about Matt Nagy all the time. Uh, <laughs> we talk Bears, and we talk very lowly of Matt Nagy just because I, I, like, I like the Bears, and I've always rooted for the Bears. And Matt Nagy just made me so mad with the whole Trubisky, just everything. I'm That's happy he's gone. Yeah. And like I said, it starts from the top down, so you have to fire pace too because they're just like – they're they're just together. Like you need yeah. their package deal. Just get them out of there and we can we'll figure it out from there. So like it was very frustrating to watch Nagy coach the Bears because like – I don't know, like, why would you do a, why would you do a screenplay on third down and long? <laughs> so many dumb things you've done, and I don't know. I feel like the first year was a fluke when they with the double doink year. Like I think that was a fluke. Like I mean, it, we did we had a good year, but it wasn't meant to be. But it was just so heartbreaking. So yeah, I mean, obviously, worst thing about firing a head coach is most of the time you fire people around him that may have talent. I mean. You you even look at the Browns a couple of years ago when we fired Hugh Jackson. We had Greg Williams come up for a couple of games, and he was more of the running game. And he came in and he ran that game with Nick Chubb. He didn't even get the chance to use Kareem Hunt, Ernest Johnson. So it's really kind of like what could have been. I mean, we suffered this long, and then we lose talent on top of it. So we definitely understand where you're coming from. Yeah, and. I'm going to say I, I like the Browns, too, because ever since Baker Mayfield came on the scene, like, I watched him in college. He's electric. Um, I told my tongue, all my friends, like, watch out for the Browns. And they, they laughed at me. I'm like, no, but, like, I like Baker. Watch him do his shit. Like, it's still – sorry for the swear. I don't know if I can swear here, but – No, yeah, it's all good. you got to say. It's yeah, but it, I, I'm, like, so Baker. hyped. And I my friends told me, like, yo, they're, like, so overhyped. So I'm like, no, I think, like – I don't know. I, I like the Browns. I like Baker. I just – I know he's injured. And it's just it's just a weird time for him at the moment. Like, what are your thoughts about him? Yeah, I mean, you you look at it. First off, Browns fans are probably the most delusional fans on the planet. And I, I say this every week, and I'm a Browns fan. I'm one of the few that haven't been taken over by the delusionalness of this whole thing. Because Browns fans go one bad year, and then they want to get rid of everything and start over. Now, that's that's what's killing us. Baker comes in, gives us solid years. You look, first year he comes in as rookie and, and beats the passing touchdowns in a rookie season when he doesn't even play every single game in his rookie season. Next year, you see the struggles. The O-line was awful. I mean, th- those are the struggles Justin Fields is having right now. Year after that, you saw what we did last year. We go to the playoffs. We we had a very bright year. And then this year, two games into the season, Baker gets injured. First game and a half, crazy good. Crazy good by Baker. And then after that, injuries come in to effect, and things just go downhill fast. And Browns fans, were they're already sick of it. And it sickens me seeing that we apparently want to get rid of Baker Mayfield. What? What? I mean, do you see the Browns trading Baker at all or no? I think he's your guy, honestly. Um, I just don't know why Browns fans feel that way. But, like, I could – I. I wrote in my notes that, like, they do need a better O-line, like most teams. I feel like most teams would be better with better O-lines. Um, 
but you guys still have like a lot of weapons. You do have like Creed, Cream Hunt, and like Chubb. You still have like um, your wide receivers and all that. But I just feel like he's the guy. Like I don't know who else you would get. Like I think he's still like up there in the quarterback like rankings and all that. So I don't know. Yeah, and I. I also, huge Baker guy, like you said, watched him at Oklahoma. He was electric. He was a rookie season. Kind of cooled out after his second year, third year, back to being electric. We beat our division rival back-to-back weeks, blew him out in the playoffs. And now it just makes me mad on any social media. I have to deal with Browns fans who – call themselves Browns fans, but then won't support the guy who got us here. Uh, Like you said, offensive line, rushing offensive lines, and one of the worst passing offensive lines. I don't know how that's possible, but that's the Browns offensive line. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at it, you have to, I mean, okay. So I said this the other day and the day Baker had his surgery and everything went well, it was all successful. That was the one of the biggest days in the last couple of years for Cleveland Browns fans because you you pretty much got your QB back. Not in game mode, but you got him back. And it lasted about a day until fans went back to, we got to get Jimmy G, we got to get Tannenhill. You look at these other QBs, I'm taking Baker over, over a lot of them. I mean, we've said before, his what's his biggest thing? His biggest issue, interceptions. He wasn't even top ten in most thrown interceptions. Yeah. That's, that's got to blow our minds. I mean, this yeah. is, this is crazy. And I rather would take Baker over Tannehill and Jimmy G. Jimmy G didn't do anything. Um, he has the defense literally carried the game, and right. also Tannehill. He just stinks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, no better way to say it. And with you, uh, with us talking about Jimmy G, let's actually let's ask you what your Super Bowl prediction is now that we're in the conference championship round. Yeah. Um, so my heart and my mind wants two things. So my I know like my mind's gonna tell me it's gonna be Chiefs versus Rams. Chiefs gonna win it. I just feel like both teams can turn the switch at any moment in time and just like turn on and go. But my heart wants the Bengals and 49ers because um, the Bengals look promising. I don't know if you guys hate the Bengals, but I, I love Joe <laughs> Burrow. He's awesome. Um, and they showed me they showed a lot of promise the last couple games, and it looks great. And 49ers, I'm a Bears fan. I got to love like Jimmy G and like John Gold and all that. So that's the reason why I'm going for the 49ers. But what about you guys? Yeah, I mean, if, for me personally – any possible outcome can hurt us. <laughs> I mean, you, we don't want Odell to win, obviously, because if he wins, it's going to be Baker was the problem. Odell was <laughs> actually this talented. We don't want yeah. that. We don't want the Niners to win because then it's like, we need a trade for Jimmy G. He just won the Super Bowl. We need that. No, we don't want that. If the Bengals win, our expectations for next year as Browns fans are that much higher because if Joe Burrow comes in his second year after injury and takes him to the Super Bowl and Baker's been there for four years and doesn't, Browns fans will be 
will be pretty much a bunch of crackheads, if there's no better way to say it. And then obviously the Chiefs. Nobody likes Jackson Mahomes. Nobody likes Patrick Mahomes. We don't want to see that. But personally, the team I can handle the most winning this is the 49ers. Yeah, and for me, it's basically the same thing. All of these results hurt. Uh, I would. I really wanted the Bills to win this year. I think everyone did. Like, I love yeah. the Bills. <laughs> yeah, they're they're a likable team. Like, they're not you know, anybody that really hates the Bills. And I, I guess, like, their fandom is amazing. I think. Well, I love their fandom. Does it go through tables and the like <laughs> yeah. party atmosphere? It's great. <laughs> like. I mean, what other team does that? Like, KC has some, like, has the brothers quarterback dancing. Like, no one wants that. You want to go through a table. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't know. I guess when it comes down to the Super Bowl, uh, same thing. The one that would hurt the league, make me somewhat happy, would be Niners versus Chiefs, I guess. And with the Niners winning, because they should have won 2019, and Jimmy G blew it. The it, 49ers should have won that Super Bowl. I'm still mad about that Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I want Jimmy G to win it. That'd be great, um, especially for the Bears. That'd be a win for the Bears, <laughs> especially when we knocked out the Packers. Like that was great. Um, I, I was celebrating. I felt like we won the Super Bowl that day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and speaking of the Bills really quick, I just want to touch topic on this really quick. Stephon Diggs gets one reception in that game for maybe six yards. I mean, you you come into the season, Stephon Diggs is your wide receiver one no matter what. No matter what. And you have an elite player like Josh Allen, and they don't connect in the most important game of the season. That's a big problem because Stephon Diggs is getting paid bank as your wide receiver one when he looked like he should have been on the bench the whole game instead. I got to say, I have to counterpoint that because, okay, the Packers did did that with Devontae Adams, and they just kept throwing to Devontae Adams, and they choked. So I feel like what Josh Allen did with Gabriel Davis was kind of smart because the defense knew they wanted to go to Diggs, but they didn't go to Diggs. So they found the next open man, which is Gabriel Davis. And there's not much you can do if you're in, like, overtime and this through a coin flip like it kind of sucks but yeah. they actually played their heart out and I feel like that was the right move to not go to Stefan Diggs because you've been covered the whole game so yeah, yeah I, I mean, just, that's understandable you got to find your go-to guy if you can't get to your receiver one so that's definitely understandable yeah I I just wanted to see he had one catch I just wanted to see if they were really defending him that well or if the game plan the whole time was just to get Gabriel Davis involved because four touchdowns is nuts for Gabriel Davis. Like, I, it's never been – I don't think it's been done before in a playoff game. So that was just great for him. Yeah, and as like a sports better, it didn't help at all because I had Stefan Diggs anytime <laughs> touchdown. So that didn't help at all. Yeah. Switching up from NFL to the NBA, let's talk Bulls. And, like, what do you have to say just about the Bulls? I love the Bulls. <laughs> They're great. Um, <laughs> basically, I think they have a chance to make the playoffs this year. I'm not sure how far they'll make it because we do have injuries. Um, we're missing a couple, like, pieces due to that. Like, Patrick Williams is out for the whole year. So we're missing his big presence. Um, I would like to see like a trade before the deadline, 
Uh, the problem is I don't think we can beat the powerful teams like the Golden States or like the Brooklyn Nets, even with a fully healthy team, because we do miss like Patrick Williams. And like uh, I kind of want to see maybe like a trade for Jeremy Grant or maybe similar like Harrison Barnes, maybe even like a TJ Warren maybe. Um, but if we get that, then I think I think we can make a push all the way. But at the moment, we're really good, but not like East, maybe Eastern Conference Finals good. Not like that's probably that that's it. Yeah. At the moment. Yeah. So I I'm personally a Lonzo Ball fan and. I, I want to hear your thoughts on him just real quick because you guys and somewhat playing pretty good role that he's been given, basically. Yeah. To me, he looks like he's matured. I remember watching him on the Lakers, and it looked like he just wanted to be more like, this is my team. But I think he understands his role on this Bulls team. He's not the guy – like, there's other people like DeRozan and Levine and Booch. So he has to facilitate for everyone. And I feel like he, he's a very good passer. So with that, it definitely fits. Like, his presence is, like, shown because the way he, like, passes and all that and all of assists and way he shoots, too. He knows what to do at the right time, I guess. So Yeah. 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 I mean, Lonzo Ball – Using the word mature, I understand. He definitely has. And it had to have been the most difficult thing in his life. Because to be a part of the Ball family with, like, Lamar and um, LaMelo, I mean, you you don't mature in that family. You really don't. You see their dad. He's acting like a two-year-old all the time. But <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, the Bulls, you're completely right. I don't see them as legit contenders yet. And here's the problem. DeMar will be 33 next year. He's in his MVP form right now. I don't know how long that can last. I don't know if it can last until next year. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's been very clutch in most situations. But I do see also Zach Levine. Like, I'm glad like Zach Levine and DeMar are both like the guys, because they rely on each other, I feel like. Because sometimes Mark can't do it all. I don't know Zach can't do it all. We saw that last year. Yeah. It's great to have both of them. Can we can we all agree that DeMar in Chicago is probably better than DeMar when he played for the Raptors? I think this is his best season I think he's ever had. Not scoring his highest, but I think it's his best season. Like you said, all the clutch shots. Uh, and sharing the ball with Levine, averaging like 26, 27. So they're That's amazing. playing pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Like to score like at least 27 and like for yourself and to also pass to like Zach to do the same iso ball and stuff. It's crazy because they're both shooters. And how do you like, there's only one ball. So like to do that is pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, I do want to mention though, there's not only one ball. Lonzo Ball is also on the team. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and, and the thing that I really like about DeMar being on the Bulls is he took that leadership role because, like you said, some of these players just aren't mature enough. He took that leadership role because another fat player on that team is Vucevic. He's, he's talented. Don't get me wrong. He's just not, like, a leader. And DeMar yeah. came in. He's acting like he's in charge, which he is, which is good. And he's he's using his leadership to carry this team, and that's a big major factor for the Bulls right now. 
Mm-hmm. And you can see it in like their bench or and or starters like Ayo, Ayo. I can't say his name. <laughs> I'm really bad with names, but Ayo's looking really good. Um, I guess Kobe White's looking okay. He's been missing a lot of threes lately, but it's I, I don't know what's up with him, but he just keeps shooting threes, which is fine, whatever, I guess. But I can see like the leadership's affecting the other players, the younger players, and they look up to like Damar and like Zach and all that. So that's great. Yeah. Looking at this roster, I'm scrolling up and down now. Uh, this roster is pretty deep. Like you said, uh, Io is, I think he's been playing pretty good as of late. Yeah, he had a career uh, high at 24 points the other night. I'm like, wow, yeah. as a rookie, it's amazing. He's Go stepping ahead. up. And then you guys, Troy Brown. We talked about Troy Brown uh, last week because he was playing great defense. Uh, Derek Jones Jr., this team is pretty deep. Uh, but then, like you said, Patrick Williams got hurt and Caruso got hurt recently. Yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts on that play? I kind of want to hear that. Um, as a biased uh, fan, <laughs> I definitely thought it was definitely a dirty play. But a lot of people think it was a dirty play. I, and although Grayson Allen, he is known for doing these type of plays since Duke, um, it's just weird when it's like one of your own players because I used to kind of like laugh when he would do it at Duke or what have yeah. you. Like, it's like, haha, like, that was really dirty. Just don't do it to any of my players. <laughs> but then he did. I'm like, oh, now I have to hate you now. I don't. I mean, I, I hate him, but like, he's dirty. But, like, it's just – it kind of sucks. He had to, like, ruin the fun a little bit. And, like, this, like we, Wisconsin is just they, – they, they just want to hate us. Like, it's wild. Like, <laughs> I, I like as soon as, like, Rodgers, like, choked literally the next day, Grayson Allen's a new public number one enemy in Chicago. <laughs> that that is crazy how it flipped from Rogers to Grayson that quick in one day. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, Grayson's always he's always been like that, and you're completely right. I mean, it's it's funny until it happens to your player, and that's what sucks about it. But I mean, to me personally, it it was dirty, but not as dirty as people say it was. I mean, you look at it; he did go for the ball, and then him being him thinking like him he obviously made it dirtier than it had to be yeah i think i think it was kind of just the follow through he it it looked like a good play and then the follow through looked like he tried to hurt him a little bit uh and like we said it comes with his past basically reputation just all stuff he did in college is gonna follow him to the nba now yeah, even in the NBA, he like did something like that with another player. I can't remember who. Uh, but I'll try to look it up real quick. He almost injured him. It was pretty bad too. Um, and it, it's just wild to think about because like all this three plays he's done, it's been like like nut shots or like stupid like kind of funny stuff. But then like when he tried to actually hurt someone, it's like no, don't do that. But like it's it's crazy. Yeah, reminds me of like a younger Draymond Green. Always, yeah, always yeah. wants to get that dirty play in. Yeah. And always trying to look innocent when everybody knows you wanted to do it. Definitely. So we and talked it's about sorry. I was gonna say go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh so we talked about how uh DeMar was kind of having an MVP season. Uh can I hear your MVP pick for this season or maybe like two guys that you think could win? Yeah, so I have an either-or. So let's say 
the Bulls make it past Eastern Conference Finals, I would say DeMar DeRozan for MVP. But if they don't make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, then I would probably say uh, Kevin Durant or or Giannis, basically. Um, it's To me, it's the Eastern Conference that's pretty – like, they're, they're loaded this year. I mean, they've always been loaded, but, like, LeBron hasn't done anything, like, in my head. Um, the Western Conference seems weak to me this year, so I just feel like it would definitely be, like, either Giannis or Giannis or Duran. Yeah, it does seem like kind of the roles have flipped, and the East has become kind of – battleground and normally it was kind of weak uh but the teams are fighting now and the bulls are up at the top being at the bottom or being in the middle now so i could see i I can't see durant now that he's hurt but Giannis is always going to be up there and like you said if the bulls take the one seed demar could possibly have the mvp in his hands yeah it depends how far they go honestly i feel like because they have a chance to make a nice run, and we have a limited time to do this run because, like, like you said, Demar's thirty-three, and Zach Levine's contract's gonna be up next year. So, like, there's a lot of like ifs, ands, or buts. So, yeah, I mean, my my MVP personally, I I think Jokic deserves it the most out of everything he's doing with with no Michael Porter Jr., no Jamal Murray, so. I, I, would, I would love to say LeBron. Don't get me wrong. I'm a LeBron fan. But at this point, he's been robbed of so many that it's not even worth trying to fight for. And I, like you said, he hasn't – it doesn't seem like he's done much. He has done a lot, but the record doesn't show. Yeah. Definitely doesn't help. And AD's injury doesn't help either. So I, I get that. In my eyes, DeMar is not the MVP. I wouldn't even consider him top five. Same as Steph Curry. I think neither of them. I, I think neither of them deserve it over some of these other players that, that in my eyes have been putting in more work, have been building their stats even higher, getting more wins. So, yeah, that's, those, those are my thoughts on it. No, oh, that's great. I mean, Jokic is amazing because, like, he's basically putting the team on his back as a center. <laughs> like, who does that? Like, it's great. Yeah, we were, we were just saying that. I mean, you don't – you've never even seen a center – like when you look at your franchise player, you don't consider center or power forward really. You consider a point guard or shooting guard, small forward. But yep. as a center, Jokic, he can do everything by the perimeter. He can do everything in the paint. He can do every single position, and you don't ever see that. So he's one of a kind. Yeah, it's it's amazing to see. Like, and I I kind of blame Steph Curry for it because. Everyone now has to learn how to shoot the threes. So now centers can shoot threes. But it's great because you can see a center shoot a three. And he is versatile. It's amazing. So, like, I never thought in my last year I could see a center shoot a three. Right, yeah. He's, he's fun to watch. I, I do want to touch base on one more thing, though. I feel like I just love hearing people's thoughts on this clown of a player, Ben Simmons. What do you have to say on him? I'll be honest, I kind of like tuned him out. Like, I kind of <laughs> forgot about him, but he's singing out all season, I feel like. And he's just being stubborn. And I feel like no other team really wants him. I mean, um, I know what, I'm not sure what Philadelphia's going to do, but um, it, it's so weird. Cause, like, I'm watching the like, 76ers down. They're like, they're beating the Lakers. They don't even need him. Like, it's crazy. Right. I mean, I mean, 
obviously teams would want him, but not for the asking price. I, I remember before the draft, Golden State was interested in Ben Simmons, as they should have been, because you have the perimeter shooting, get the perimeter defense, you're insane. But the asking price was like both their 7th and 14th pick, James Wiseman, Andrew Wiggins, and maybe like a future second or something. So the Sixers organization is delusional, like Pistons, like Browns fans. So that's that's what's really hurting them, because if they wanted to, they could use Ben Simmons. They could use some picks. They can do whatever they want. They can get players like Kyrie, who shouldn't even be in Brooklyn, James Harden, who doesn't even want to be in Brooklyn. You can get talent, but chances are they won't. And and with the team they have right now, they're not winning anything. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, the Ben Simmons situation to me, it should have been dealt with already. And the Sixers are kind of just letting it drag on because they are being stubborn. Uh, when it comes to what they're asking for. Like you said, uh, they asked for all that from the Warriors. That is not an equal trade, in my opinion. And yeah, then, it was no, a it's like one of those trades you see on a video game. Yeah. Right. They, then they declined uh, They declined a trade. Uh, who, uh, they offered like three young players and three picks. And the Sixers declined. And I was like, oh, who was it? Was it the maybe? offered something and yeah it was jeremy grant i i don't know why they didn't accept this it was annoying it was like jeremy grant sadiq bay kelly olenic and a first round pick and a second and the sixers declined it i i don't see that oh wow that's crazy i have no idea why either (laughs) that's a it's a good trade well, they did say, uh, starting to talk, that uh, the Sixers plan on chasing James Harden in free agency. And apparently the feeling's mutual, uh, so, but I don't know why they wouldn't just trade Simmons to kind of get the cap space and kind of get other players to work with Harden or maybe trade for Harden. I don't know what their plan is. Which is stupid. Like, why wait for the offseason? Like DeMart, James Harden will be 33 next year. He doesn't have, like, he, he's not going back into his prime. Go get him now. Start building chemistry now. You don't get it this year, you get it next year. Because th- th- that'll be talent. That'll be crazy talent. Instead of trying to risk your luck in the offseason, hoping you maybe get a chance to get James Harden, when at the end of the day, you're lucky to get Dylan Windler. So <laughs> it's. <laughs> Briefly back to my point, Sixers organization is just messed up. Sounds like a lot of organizations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much every team. That pretty much wraps up uh, this podcast. Uh, it was great having you on, Rich. You are our first guest. and Oh, awesome. Talked- I feel honored. It was pretty good conversation about anything. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, not a problem. Um, I was going to do a quick plug real quick. Um, um, I'm Richard Chicago from the Shoot Your Shot Sports Network. Um, my podcast is Off the Cuff Podcast. Um, we're, a Chicago, we're a Chicago sports comedy podcast for super casual fans. So we do a live podcast every Tuesday on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. It's like a fun, fan-interactive show. 
we can like well I guess fans can come in and watch us. There's games going on and if like if like the Blackhawks score on the hockey, the lights go off automatically. It's very fun. Um we love we have a lot of comedy, a lot of fun in our show. So check us out. Um our website is shootyourshotsports.com and then on Twitch, twitch.tv slash shoot your shot sports. Yeah, sounds good. I mean, we're, we're definitely both going to be looking into it, following for sure. So, I mean, we're excited. I mean, once again, thanks. And that will be it. We will talk to you next time on Numbers News and Nonsense. <laughs>